So I want to recap for you, and then we got a special treat. Uh, Joyce is going to come up here in a few minutes as we get into this message. Uh, one thing that we discovered about Joyce, she went through our uh, school of ministry, and uh, and I've known Joyce for 13 years, going back to the Life Church days. And uh, I learned something last year as she was going through our school of ministry that she's a storyteller, not the storyteller kind of where she tells story like fibs, like not like that. She literally is a storyteller. <laughs> she 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 can tell stories, and I we were like, wow, there's an anointing on this. She has a, a, a way of telling stories, and she actually shared uh, out of this passage of scripture that we're going to get into or that we've been studying, uh, Acts chapter 16. She's got a story that goes with this. And she kind of tells it from a, a perspective of being there, an eyewitness, and, and, and the details. And so um, we're gonna out, she, we talked last week, and we're going to incorporate that in today. So I'll bring her up in a few minutes. But I want to recap. So uh, where we were at is Acts chapter 16. And, and see, it starts with a vision. And, and, and Paul, um, he, he, uh, he's, at this point, he's about 12 years into the, his ministry and. 12 years before this, he, he had the conversion. He was Saul, and he was on his way to persecute the Christians, and, and, uh, and Jesus knocked him off his horse, and he had a vision and blinded him, and, and he called him to, uh, to the ministry. And, and, and so we're 12 years later, and Paul's into this, and he's done it for a while, and he's anointed, and he's matured, and, and, uh, and he's, he's, following what God, he's following the call that, that Jesus has placed on him, and he has this vision, and see, there's a few folks with him. Remember, Luke is the one that's recording this, and, and uh, so you got Luke with him, and he's, he's there with Silas and, and young Timothy. And so uh, the, uh, what happens is he has this vision, and, and, and God says, stops him from going one place, and he says, you need to, to go here. And through that vision, he said uh, he saw a man from Macedonia saying, come help us. And so they immediately determined that this is God. This vision is from God, and we need to go to Macedonia. And so they get on a ship, and they sail, and they end up at Philippi, which Philippi was a, a, a Roman colony, and it was a, a Macedonian. Uh, it was in the, in the country of Macedonia or in that area, the region of Macedonia. And so uh, here they are in, in Acts chapter 16. Uh, we, we went through that whole thing uh, last week, and we ended with uh, Paul and Silas in prison, right? They ended up in prison because Paul cast a demon out of a girl. And this, this, she had a spirit of divination. She could uh, foretell the future. She was a fortune teller. It was a cult and witchcraft spirit. She operated in that. And her, uh, the men that, uh, that owned her made money off of her. And so when, uh, when in what she would, it wasn't necessarily what she was saying, right? Because what she was saying was true. Every day they would go out, Paul and his, his crew would go out, and they would go down to the riverbank where people would gather to pray, and they would preach the gospel. And they had already seen Lydia. They met Lydia and her family and, and, and this, this woman who was an entrepreneur, and she, she, uh, she was a businesswoman and, and probably what we would consider upper class. And she had money, and, 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 and she had influence. And, and, and she converts, and she hears the good news, and she, uh, she accepts the the gospel of jesus and and paul able is able to minister to the whole family and their whole family's baptized so every day they're going down to the this riverbank and on the way this girl would follow them and she would cry out and say these people are sent from the most high god 
right? They're servants of the Most High God, and they're here to tell you that Jesus is the way. Or I'm paraphrasing, but that's what she would say. And she would, but what we, uh, what we understood was because of the spirit that was operating through her, that it was a spirit of self-promotion. She wasn't necessarily, the spirit wasn't necessarily saying it uh, to spread the gospel. They, she was saying it in a loud and obnoxious way, and she was bringing attention to herself. Why was she bringing attention to herself? Why was that spirit bringing attention? Because it's a spirit of self-promotion. It wants to draw attention to it to tell you, I can speak the future, and here's the future, so that more people would come to her for fortune-telling, right? It was a spirit of self-promotion. So finally, Paul had enough of it after a few days of this, and he said, be quiet, shut up, demon come out of her. And when he cast the demon out, the demon immediately left. But what happens? So does the cash cow, right? This whole fortune telling business goes out the window. So <laughs> how many know that spirits usually never travel alone? So as soon as he did that, there were some other spirits that reared his ugly head. Spirit of greed. Spirit of greed was behind her masters. And they, they were so angry that they got the crowd worked up and they, they basically went and, 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 and just worked the crowd into a frenzy and said, these men are, are, are wrong and they're teaching stuff that's wicked and that's against everything that, that we believe in. And uh, uh, so they dragged them uh, into, in front of the city officials and the city officials, because of the mob, says, arrest them, beat them, and throw them in prison. So they arrested them. They were beaten and thrown into prison, right? And here's where we left off last week. They end up in prison, and, and they're beaten and bleeding and bruised. And, and mid, at around midnight, they were, they were shackled in the inner part of the, this, this dungeon, in the inner part of this, uh, um, this prison. And they're shackled. And what happens? They begin to sing and praise God. And it said that all those men that were there could hear them. And, the, and their praise began to permeate the air. And I'm sure that if you listened really close, you could hear angels worshiping with them, right? And what happens is when they begin to praise, God stepped in, and he caused a massive earthquake. The scripture says massive. It means it shook the foundations of every, that prison and everything around it. And it, that literally the doors flew open and the chains fell off. And that's where we left it last week, uh, uh, this, this, this cataclysmic event happens and when the chains fell off and the doors swung open and, the, and obviously the lights they didn't have electricity so i mean it's dark in a dungeon right it's dark in prison and so uh, they said uh, uh the, the the jailer who was in charge of all of these prisoners he knew it was up to him and even if this event happened and it's not his fault if they escaped that he would be held liable so he was going to kill himself he took his sword and he was going to literally shove it through him and commit suicide because he didn't want to have to face the fact that they had escaped. And Paul saw him and he stopped him. He said, do not do that. We're all here. No one has escaped. We're all here. And because of that, Paul was able to minister to him and he said, what must I do to be saved? It wasn't just the fact that this earthquake had happened, the jailer heard the praise that was happening. He immediately identified that this is a move of power and strength 
on God's behalf. These men are no joke. What they carry is no joke. And that is where we're at right now. Before we pick it back up, I'm going to bring Joyce up, and she's going to tell us a story. They sat in the dungeon. It was hot. Their wounds ached from the sweat that poured off their back and the blood that had run down their back. And as they sat there in utter darkness, surrounded by the smells of urine and feces and the groans of hopeless men, they sat and they wondered, is this really all worth it? Is this what we signed up for? Is this where we're supposed to be? We're following what God wants us to do. But inside they knew. They knew that in that prison somewhere, somewhere in that prison was the person that had come to them in the vision. And they began to pray. They prayed softly at first. And then all of a sudden, it was from deep inside, these songs arose, and they sang praises to God, and the prisoners fell silent as the Spirit of God entered that prison cell. The prisoners, some of them had never felt anything like that. They could barely move. They could barely breathe. They were afraid to even breathe because they didn't want this moment to go. First time in their lives, they had felt the peace of God as Paul and Silas praised, and then all of a sudden, from the very depths of the earth came the rumbling. You could hear it at first, and it came up, and it came up through the floor of the prison, and the doors flew open with a loud clang, and the, and the shackles fell off their feet and their hands, but they couldn't move. They dared not move. Who would want to move out from the presence of God? And then all of a sudden, Paul could hear the jailer. He heard the door open, and he knew what he would do next when he discovered that the doors were open. And he yelled with a loud voice, don't kill yourself. We're here. And the jailer turned and grabbed a lantern and the place lit up, and he saw that the prisoners were there, and he went over to Paul and Silas and fell at their feet because he knew. He knew they brought in that jail the very presence of God. And he took with them back up to his room, and he said to them, What must I do to be saved? And in that moment, Paul and Silas knew as they could see his face clearly in the light, that this was the man. This was the man that had appeared to them in the vision, begging him, begging them to come to help him. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your household will be saved. And in that moment, a jailer and his household turned 
to Jesus. And they knew the vision had been fulfilled. Amen. Thank you, Joyce. Hallelujah. That's fire. Amen. Amen. There's a couple of things that I wanted to remind you of in this story. See, Philippi is a Gentile nation. It's not a Jewish people. Paul and his company head down to this riverbank, and they preach the gospel, and they're thrown into prison. And the story that happens, as we just re recapped, uh, what happens. And so uh, remember that it all started with this vision that they had. And we're going to pick up the story now in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 30. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, and he washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he, is a, he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Isn't that a wonderful story? And I went way too far. Sorry, I read all the way through chapter 30, verse 34. See, the vision doesn't show you or tell you that you will be beaten for your obedience. See, the vision doesn't tell you that you will be chained and thrown into prison. The vision doesn't tell you that you'll have no chance to plead your case or your innocence. Or even that you will see fruit and plant seeds that will grow. The vision doesn't tell you that. The vision doesn't tell you that the way out of your dire circumstances is to praise your way out. To initiate a miraculous and cataclysmic event simply by your praise in the midst of turmoil. The vision didn't tell them that. The vision doesn't tell us that. The vision doesn't tell us that activating God's power on our behalf to save us and those that we are with the vision didn't tell paul that see the vision doesn't tell you any of that acts chapter th uh, 16 verse 31 and i've already read some of it so we'll just pick it up and uh we'll pick it up in verse 35 the next morning the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer let those men go so the jailer told paul the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave, so go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to, j to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. 
When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia, where they met with the believers and encouraged them once more, and then they left town. See, the vision doesn't tell you about the fruit that will come from your obedience. The vision doesn't give you those details. See, the vision might not show you all the souls coming to Christ through the trials that you'll go through. The lives that are forever changed by you saying yes. The vision doesn't tell you that. See, there are three things to learn about the vision. You can follow along. It's in your message notes. We're going to fill those answers in as we go here. So three things to learn about the vision. Number one is what we've already just talked about. The vision doesn't always give you the big picture. When Paul started on this, and he took Luke and Timothy, young Timothy and Silas, he sees the vision. All he saw was a man from Macedonia saying, come help us. The vision didn't tell him everything that was going to happen and give God's exact plan for him. The vision doesn't always give you the big picture. As you walk in obedience, there are some fill-in-the-blanks to walk through. Amen? If you've been with God for any amount of time and been a disciple of Jesus, you know that sometimes you just walk by faith and not by sight. And that along the way, there's some gaps that need to be filled in. Amen? So the vision doesn't tell you that, though. Number two, the vision will always line up with your call we talked about the call last week see it wasn't it's 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 the call that keeps you going when you know what your call is and you line it up with the vision it doesn't matter if you don't know the details paul knew he was called he got the vision and he obeyed and went for it right so the vision will always line up with your call. He was sure of his calling. Paul knew. See, let me tell you something else. We, we say these things, but it, and we read the scriptures. Paul did what that term you heard, count the cost. Paul counted the cost. He knew. He knew. If, he, if you read the scriptures and you read his letters, he knew what his end would be. And he counted the cost. He knew also that he walked in power and authority and that it wouldn't happen before it was supposed to happen. I honestly believe that Paul knew, maybe not Silas, not sure about him because we don't know that much about him, but, but Paul knew sitting in that prison that this isn't it. I'm going to have to go through this beating and, and, and walk through this, but God is going to show up because I know that I know that I know that it, this isn't it. This isn't where it ends, right? But he had counted the cost. He knew that there were going to be times like this when you step out into what God is showing you and leading you into that you have to count the, the, the cost because somewhere along the way, the, the vision doesn't line up with your circumstances, right? Your circumstances don't line up with the vision. That's why I think we're spoiled, right? I think we're spoiled. I think, I, I, I think that um, we talk about having faith, 
and, and we talk about building our faith. But I personally haven't had to take a beating for my faith. I might have had someone criticize me on Facebook or make fun of me on social media, right? Or call me a holy roller or Jesus, whatever you say these days to make fun of Christians. I don't know. Jesus freak, holy roller. Those are terms even before my time. Those were 60s and 70s. But persecution, we don't really understand what true persecution is. I just read a story recently, um, and I'm trying to remember the details. I'm sorry. But where they they killed 250 Christians in another part of the world and burned their churches, and now they're saying there's an outbreak of the Holy Spirit that you've never seen before in this country, and thousands are coming to, to be saved. See, when the devil tries to persecute Christians, what happens? Usually there's an outbreak. There's an outbreak, and salvations increase. You know why? Because through that trial of fire, you really understand what you're living for. You count the cost. Where before, you might have been distracted. Yeah, I'm living, I'm living uh, uh, in my belief, and I'm following Jesus, but I have my life and, 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 and you know, I, my work, and this is what I do. But the minute that you get persecution, you find out what you really believe. You, found out, you find out what you're really willing to do for Jesus. You find out what you're really willing to lay down. You get really serious when people start dying for their faith around you. And see, Paul had counted the cost. He knew beforehand that there were going to be times like this and that he wasn't going to have to, he, he wasn't going to just rely on his feelings. That's a, that's a fun word. I feel like this, or I feel like that. I feel like God was leading me this way, and I've gotten all I need to get out of this, and so now uh, he's leading me another way, even though I haven't finished the vision and the call for this way. But, you know, God, God knew in the circumstances. No. If he led you to that place, he's not schizophrenic. I'm going to say it again. God is not schizophrenic. Your feelings in that moment don't really matter because your feelings will change. My feelings change all the time. Some days I think I'm a good-looking guy, and some some days I just feel like I'm just a fat, out-of-shape, old white guy. (laughs) The next day, though, it changes. I look in the mirror, and I'm like, you still got it. Feelings don't matter when it comes to the vision and the call. He knew it would cost him. He also knew that the call would carry him, meaning that there were going to be some miracles of God's power demonstrated along his journey. See, with the call comes the vision, and with the vision comes an expectation of God showing up on our behalf. They could have laid down and just cried and waited till the next morning. And, 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 and honestly, God probably still would have shown up. But they began in the midst, at the middle of the night, in the midst of their circumstances when it couldn't get any worse. And they, they couldn't feel any lower. 
They couldn't feel any more beaten, and they said, we're going to praise them. And they just began to, to worship and praise God in their midst of their circumstance. The vision will require obedience and m- many times radical obedience. It will require radical obedience. It will require faith and courage and endurance. See, I really believe that Paul, because he said it many times or a few times in Scripture, that, he, that they would begin to praise and worship God and be joyful for the beating that they were receiving because they, 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 they were overjoyed that they were found to be worthy to take the same beating that Christ took, right? And so and Paul, many times they would leave a city that they had just been kicked out of or a, a place where they had just been unwelcomed and they would, they would shake the dust off their feet and they would praise God that they were worthy to be counted, to be persecuted for Jesus, right? And so I believe that in that moment, Paul said, hey, Silas, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to worship and we're going to sing. And God's going to show up. And we have an expectation that in our darkest moment, he's going to show up. Number three. About three things to learn about the vision. Number three is vision is just a small view of God's full intentions or plans. The vision is just a small view of God's full intentions or plans. See, what happened in Acts chapter 16 was the birth of of the church at Philippi. See, what you have to understand when we understand the context of what's happening here is he already had Lydia and her family. And, 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 and so when, when that happened and they baptized Lydia and her family, that was the beginning of something. But then you, you, they get arrested and thrown into prison and, and, and now the jailer and his family have been saved and baptized. And so what naturally happens is now the jailer and his family are getting together with Lydia and her family and the next thing you know they got friends and family coming together and the next thing you know we have the birth of a church see what we what you what you fail to see when you just kind of read this is you have to put the pieces of the puzzle together and the context of this is this was we are witnessing the very birth of a church of a local church here at Philippi it wasn't a Jewish nation it was a Macedonian uh, Roman colony and this was a Gentile city. This wasn't a Jewish city. We are witnessing the local church being birthed in a Gentile nation. And so what happens is you have this jailer and his family and, and the, Lydia and her family coming together. And what we know about, I double dog dare you to study the scriptures. What you, what you need to understand something is this, is that we are seeing a birth of a church that lasted the rest of Paul's life. The rest of his life. This body of believers would grow into a mighty local church. See, this story happens in around 51 A.D., approximately 10 years later, Paul would sit down and write a letter to this church. We know it as the book of Philippians. This happened in around 62 A.D. If you know anything about the book of Philippians, it's one of the most beautifully written 
letters that we have in the New Testament. And if you know anything else about Paul's letters or any of the books in the New Testament, you'll know this. That it was not written in response to a crisis. Many times Paul would write letters in, to, the, to the local churches and he would, he would chastise them and he would say, Hey, this is what I hear what's going on. You need to change this. And he would, he would pastor them through the letter. Right? He would, he would point out where they're missing it. You won't find that in the book of Philippians. When Paul writes the letter ten years later, it's a love letter. It's an intimate, encouraging word. And he, he wraps up this letter. And there's some wonderful things about Philippians. And I'm going to give you a couple. He didn't write to the Philippians in response to a crisis. As we sometimes see in the other churches, Galatians and Colossians. It was an expression of appreciation and affection for the Philippian church. More than any other church, the believers in Philippi offered support for Paul's ministry. There's, there's passages in Philippians like, He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Or to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All popular passages of scripture that we know. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14, Paul says something like this. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I read that because that passage of Scripture is so meaningful, especially if you're in ministry or you have that call of God and you're following Jesus. That's a passage that means so much. And Paul, it, it's written in this intimate letter to the Philippians. And, and he's talking about his whole life. And remember, this is, he's, he's known this, these people now for uh, 10 years. The 10 years has been removed, uh, or have, has happened since he was sitting in that jail. And, and he's telling them about his call. He's telling him about his life. And he's, he's talking about pressing on towards the high call of God, pressing on and, 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 and what it's meant to live this life that he's chosen. See, there's one very important thing to note about this church that I want to draw out of this, and that is that, we'll, I'll read it for you and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. 
He says, as you know, and this is at the very end of of Philippians, he says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on for Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for what you've done. See, they financially supported Paul's ministry and travels more than any other church. The church at Philippi was known for their generosity and their love. And in the book of Philippians, Paul writes them and he thanks them. He's, he's coming towards the end. He doesn't have much time left here on earth. And he's done quite a bit and he's writing letters to the churches. And some of them are hard to read because if they are written to you, they're not very nice. Right? There, there, there's some things in some of those other letters that were like, ooh, that kind of stings, Paul. But it convicts you and and. and pushes you forward right but not in this letter the church at philippi was known for their love and their generosity and and through that church they would send paul financial help so that he could minister and travel throughout all the nations and preach the gospel see the vision didn't tell paul that the vision didn't show paul that even the miracle that happened in the prison was just a small piece of the picture. It was just a small piece of the greater picture that we read in chapter 16 of Acts. It was just a small bit of what God wanted to do. And it was in that one small vision that Paul had that God had a bigger picture for Paul's life. See, He wanted Paul to go to Macedonia and to Philippi and to preach the gospel to the Philippians, to that church there, to those people, and start a church that would grow and be known for its love and generosity that could help finance the gospel being preached to the nations. That's the big picture. That's the big picture of the vision. See, and when Paul got that vision, it didn't tell him all of that. And let me tell you this morning that when God gives you a vision towards something and you quit halfway in because it's hard, it's because you don't see the big picture that God has for you. You've allowed yourself to feel the pain and the the, the beating that you're taking and the circumstances not lining up with how you thought it should be. See, Paul could have quit. He could have detoured. He could have left there after that beating and after getting kicked out. He could have left there and said, you're on your own. Never coming back here. But he didn't. He pastored them and he built relationship with them and he he counted the cost and he expected God to show up in the midst of bad circumstances because of the vision. Because of the vision. One vision. And he joined it with his call.
And God financed most of his ministry from one little church. Do you think once Paul got towards the end of his life and reading this letter, do you think he was thinking back over? Do you think he thought, man, I wanted to go here, and it says in the scriptures in chapter 16 that the spirit of Jesus prevented him, stopped him, and that night he had a vision. Do you think that Paul thought about that, and he's like, wow, I could have gotten sidetracked. I could have easily let the circumstances rise up and, 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 and prevent me from, from carrying on and, and this body broken and, and bruised. And I could have easily just kind of left that there. But God, you had, I now see what you were trying to do, that you had a plan, a big picture plan. And it, see, here's the thing about the vision. The vision is always always say always always about the kingdom the vision is always about the kingdom and the kingdom is ever advancing we'll say it again the kingdom of god is ever advancing see god wanted his heart was to bring in more sons and daughters to the kingdom his heart was for the gospel to be preached remember that jesus hasn't it hasn't been this that long in this story since Jesus walked the earth and this was the birth of the early church. This is the birth of the gospel being preached to the nations and Paul stepped out by one vision and he fulfilled a big picture for his life through, that, through obedience, through that one vision. There are souls in heaven today, countless thousands of, that came to Christ because Paul was able to go there because he had the finances that were being sent to him. Think about that. They get credit for that. And they've never met those people. They get credit for that. Hallelujah. So if you haven't figured it out now, by now, the vision never really fails. If the vision's from God, it never really fails. God always has a bigger, greater plan in mind that you usually can't see till years later. Somebody in here this morning needs your vision revived. I'm here to encourage you today as pastor that I know each one of you has a vision from God or has been given a vision for God or you're praying for direction from God and he begins to direct you and you just feel somewhere along the way that eh, things didn't line up and maybe circumstances came and, and, and you just you want to reconnect that vision. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. We're going to close your eyes. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you for every person here. Lord, I thank you that there's not a person in here that does not have a call in their life, Lord, that you have placed such a wonderful call that only they can fulfill for their lives, Lord. You have placed in them, and when you get when you call us, Lord, you begin to direct us and give us vision, and Lord, so I thank you for the vision that you've poured out to your people that are in this room here, that, that this morning there are world changers 
here, Lord, there's things, there's people in this room that are giants. And maybe they know it or maybe they don't know it this morning, but I'm just here to bring an encouraging word, your word here this morning through the life of Paul, that sometimes the vision doesn't always show you the big picture. The vision doesn't always show you the trials that you're going to have to go through. But let me tell you, don't get bogged down in those trials. Don't be discouraged in those trials. There are times when you just need to praise them through the midst of those trials because that. When God steps in, when you begin to praise him, the expectation for him to come in on your behalf rises. Your faith rises and chains begin to break off. The ground begins to shake. And your circumstances will change. That's why it's so important. That's why I believe the local church is so important. When people that say, oh, I just stay home and and my my church is is Joel Osteen on Sunday mornings. That's great. That's fine. But you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. We were built for connection, and when we bind together as a local church and we begin to bring our friends and families and those that we love and, 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 and people that we do life with all around our city, we begin to bring them to our church. Then we become this thing that is so powerful that we can do more together than if we just isolated ourselves and stayed alone. Division always includes doing it together with others. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for every person here. If there's visions that need to be revived, Lord, revive them. And may they connect them with their call this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.